All right, welcome in. <laughs> January 11th edition of the Horse Racing Happy Hour. Louis Rebeau, you got me solo tonight. Uh, it is my daughter's seventh birthday, so I'm taping this later than usual and not live uh, on the video like we usually do. So thanks for hanging out with us in the audio-only version uh, that is this Thursday's Horse Racing Happy Hour. We'll get into the San Vicente Turfway preview and the Jerome uh, one real derby prep and two fake ones. Uh, today we'll preview a fake derby prep and a real Oaks prep as well uh, at Tampa Bay and the Busanda at Aqueduct as well. So we'll get into all of that uh, today on the show. Muth does win the grade two San Vicente, and I think it was as formulaic as we sort of expected. I think you saw in that race that he is very much, I think, the don of that three-year-old class at this point. Could other horses develop into... Um, you know, and I'm talking about the three-year-old class in Southern California. Could other horses in that group in Southern California catch up with Muth? I think they absolutely can. Uh, many times this is when we watch horses make that transition from year two to year three. Um, and Muth, by golly, I mean, great two-year-old season seems to be just fine uh, coming into his three-year-old season here. Not something that we always see on the Colt side especially, but... Baffert obviously using the seven for a long race, the paycheck, et cetera, of a $200,000 race out there at Santa Anita to keep him fresh on the Derby trail. Looked every bit the part and uh, not confused at all by not having to go two turns. So obviously a very trainable horse as well. And here's the conundrum. How good is this horse? You got a $5 million Kentucky Derby now. But you also have a 10 furlong Belmont Stakes at Saratoga where Bob, where Bob Baffert can run horses. You've got a very approachable Preakness Stakes that hasn't had the strongest fields the last couple of years three weeks before that. Could we see a horse like Muth run in the Santa Anita Derby, skip the Kentucky Derby, and run in the Preakness? Could that happen? I think it absolutely could. <laughs> I don't know the full intent here. I don't know at this point how important for certain owners and for certain connections, the Kentucky Derby is when compared to their relationship with a guy like Bob Baffert. I just don't know. And I think all of it's a reasonable question. I think all of it as far as what's the best thing for the horse? What is the best for the relationships with a person like Bob Baffert who can, frankly, if you can get into his barn, you're going to have success. It's just a one-to-one -one correlation, no questions asked. So I get it. I get why there's a conundrum especially when there's a Belmont that's not a mile and a half, when there's a Belmont that's only a 10 furlongs. When you know what you're getting with the Preakness, where Baffert's had a ton of success. Could Muth go from literally running and dominating in Southern California, being that horse, being the obvious kind of horse that we've seen over and over and over again in the lineage of a horse like Nyquist, like Justify, coming out of those Southern California preps? Could that be it? I... And to skip the Kentucky Derby, second place horse gets a million bucks. <laughs> That's a remarkable thing to say out loud. In a restricted three-year-old race, the second place horse gets a million bucks. It's a hell of a thing to say. But I'll be fascinated to watch it. Because he's, he's derby worthy at this point. He really is. No points in that one, of course. It was a fake derby prep getting you ready for the Robert P. Lewis last year, which was all... Baffert horses, all four of them. I assume Muth will not run in that one. I assume at some point he'll get a month off here or there. Or do you run him in the Lewis? 
take a month off, run them in the Santa Anita Derby, and then skip the Kentucky Derby. I think we'll learn a lot about the scheduling and which barn he's in, say February first. Because at some points, if you're at some point, if you're going to qualify for Louisville, you got You got to get points. You just do. No, if there's there's no earnings, there's no hey, look what we did at the Breeders' Cup. Doesn't matter. You got to go get the points. And and Muth will not have them if he stays in the Baffert barn, obviously. And I'll be interested to see his movement the rest of the way. Vote no wins the Turfway preview, and I and I mentioned this race because of what I talked about last week. And we're going to get to the Jerome and drumroll pleases, frankly, very good showing in that race in a second. But before that, vote no, winning the Turfway preview. I mention it only because it leads to the Pataglia and then, of course, to the Jeff Ruby stakes. And I think for many of us mentally, it's still very difficult to process the fact that for purely for Kentucky Derby purposes, Turfway Park has become a good predictor of success in the Kentucky Derby. You have Rich Strike in Derby 148. Last year in Derby 149, you have two fills. Run second. He was my pick. Ran second behind the second-place finisher in the Florida Derby. Another fantastic predictor for success in the Kentucky Derby. Frankly, between the two of them, the Santa Anita Derby and the Florida Derby, you have easily the two best predictors for success in the Kentucky Derby. Arkansas behind it. Louisiana behind it. The Wood Memorial way, way behind it. The last quarter century, at least. And then you get this pesky little thing that gave us Animal Kingdom. (laughs) That gave us Rich Strike. That gave us two fills. And it's worth noting in the last two derbies, especially since they changed the synthetic surface that's at Turfway Park. They used to have that darker, almost, almost black colored Tapita surface that they have out of Golden Gate Fields, for example, in the Bay Area. And they switched to that lighter surface that you're used to at a Woodbine that they now have installed at Gulfstream, etc. Once they installed that surface, boy, it made Wednesday nights really difficult to, to handicap <laughs> like it was before, frankly. But as far as derby preps, man, it has made a world of difference and it's been a good predictor. Will it be this year? I cannot tell you. Will vote no stretch out well? I, I don't know the answer to that, but the breeding says yes. And the running style the other day, frankly, says yes as well. Not a great start. Had to make his own path. Had to go outside of three horses. At least for that purpose. He switched leads. He looked really great on that, on that final stretch run. A good indicator in January of a horse that, if he develops and gets better, will absolutely be a problem for other horses in the Bataglia and then and the Jeff Ruby Stakes, but I think we've got a long way before we know that for sure. And then, of course, Jerome Roll please wins on Long Island at Aqueduct in the Jerome and does get the 10 points under Javier Castellano, who, <laughs> who's just continuing to win big race after big race and won't be a finalist for the Eclipse Award on the jockey side. That's neither here nor there. How they tabulate the votes for Eclipse Awards is always going to preclude someone like Javier Castellano from being a top three. Because lots of people like me had him in the top three, but those votes don't count unless he's number one. Again, neither here nor there. I thought Drumroll Please looked really good. Another horse that had to make his own trip. Drew the rail, was dead last for 
a little bit of this race, especially on the backside, running a mile that one turn at Aqueduct. I thought he did everything right. I think he got Brad Cox. I think, though, that it's the giveaway if you have a guy of the stature of a Brad Cox who can have horses running in the different paths, geographically especially, to the Kentucky Derby, that he has this horse in New York. The Wood Memorial, of course, famously the last Wood winner to win the Kentucky Derby 2000 with Fusaichi Pegasus. We're coming up on a quarter century of the Wood Memorial being a very good predictor of not being successful in the Kentucky Derby. I think Vino Rosso's the best finish in a while, and he was, he was out of the money. And so this is not, to me at least, this is not Brad Cox's best three-year-old. And I think he's probably telling you that by running him at Aqueduct. However, <laughs> despite the slower fractions and not having to beat a, a, a huge set of good horses, I thought he looked good. And I thought Javier looked really comfortable on him. So can he develop? Can he get better? Of course he can. He's in the, he's in the Cox program. He'll be fine. Is he going to be one of the best three-year-olds in May? I don't think he will be. That's my guess. I don't think we saw the Derby winner win a race over the weekend unless Muth switches Barnes, in which case, if he continues to develop, Muth can absolutely be a factor on the first Saturday of May. No question in my mind. I think he can be fantastic. I think the future is really bright for that horse. It's not every Baffert trainee to bounce back that quickly in January after a, frankly, for a modern horse, a grueling two-year-old season, in the fall especially. But when they ask Muth to go, he does. He's a really good horse, man. He really is a really good horse. And I really do hope that we do get to see him in Kentucky in May. It would be great. And there is no points race this week on the trail to the Kentucky Derby. We do have the Pasco Stakes, which is a $125,000 race for three-year-olds, over seven furlongs on the dirt at Tampa Bay. It's of Sam F. Dave Davis prep. And then, of course, the Sam F. Davis leading to the Tampa Bay Derby. Same day, tomorrow or Saturday, whenever you listen to this, uh, on the 13th. You'll also get the Gasparilla Stakes, which is a prep for the Suncoast, which is a points race for the Kentucky Oaks. Both of them seven furlongs on the dirt for 100 and a quarter. And then, of course, the first 20-point Oaks race of the week, of, excuse me, of 2024, is going to be at Aqueduct in the Busanda, mile and an eighth on the dirt. So, of course, starting at the start line, uh, excuse me, starting at the finish line, finishing at the finish line there. That's for three-year-old fillies, 100K on the line there. And it is, again, like I said, for 20 points. Uh, for the Kentucky Oaks, we will have Matthew DeSantis on from Naira. Uh, he does uh, marketing for them. He'll be on tomorrow, and he will be uh, on with me on Rabo and Co. there on ESPN Louisville. We'll release it on this podcast platform as well, uh, our 15 or so minutes with him tomorrow as we look at uh, the Busanda, and I'll ask him about – I keep saying Busanda, and I mean Busanda, and I apologize. <laughs> I think it's because I want to say Aqueduct, but everyone's like, you have to say Aqueduct. Say it. It's Long Island, Aqueduct. And so I got Busanda in my head for no reason. So they'll run the Busanda at Aqueduct. <laughs> I'll ask Matthew about it. I'll ask him about Drumroll Please too, who they announced today will be staying on Long Island and targeting the wood as his way to the Kentucky Derby. And so I'll ask him, hey, we're coming up on a quarter century. Does that matter? Or can, or can these things change very quickly? And I think I have a sense of his answer. 
But I think Matthew would be honest about it as well and he'll give us a nice preview of that five-horse field in the Busanda. But let's go to Tampa Bay first. We'll go to that Gasparilla Stakes uh, to open our handicapping here. And that is race seven. Starts a late pick four there. $125,000, as I mentioned, seven furlongs on the dirt uh, for those three-year-old fillies. Uh, trying to qualify here. Uh, get ready for a spot in the starting gate at the Suncoast. And look, there, there are a couple of very short-priced horses here in this race. Mystic Lake coming in the one. is coming off the Tapita for trainer Safi Joseph. And we are in Florida, so let's be clear about something. Safi Joseph in Florida is a good play. He's team, teamed up here with Edgar Zayas. The two of them are just absolute stalwarts uh, in Florida. 25% they hit together, nearly uh, a 400 race sample size there uh, in the past performances. This horse has been running, though, at Woodbine after, after breaking, or excuse me, running its first race at Gulfstream Park is Mystic Lake, the one horse here. Daughter of Motown, Florida bred. And so, uh, you know, granddaughter of uh, Uncle Mo. And interested to see this one get off the tapita and back on the dirt where her only showing on the dirt before was terrible at Gulfstream Park. Dead last by 24 lengths under Edgard. But everyone knows, listening to this podcast, sometimes those first-time starters, they're just going to do that. They're going to throw in a clunker. But I'm actually going to play a ticket here where I'm going to try to beat the one, and I'm going to use Gervin's Princess, the five, and Gorgeous Girl, the six, to try to do it. Sammy Camacho is on Gorgeous Girl, the six here, for Gregory Sacco. Was on this horse last time out. Got a little bit of time off after running in New Jersey and, and in Maryland. Ran in the Salima. Uh, on the turf, going a mile and a 16th under Sheldon Russell. Didn't like the turf, brought her back to the dirt. Last time out, in an optional claimer against winners. Sammy Camacho rides, comes in third. Gets the horse again, second off the layoff here. Stays on the dirt. Stays technically in a sprint race here. It would be an unusual occasion for, for Sacco, who I do not believe has a, tur- uh, excuse me, a stakes win in the last couple of years. So it would be unusual on that end, but would not be unusual is the five-horse Gervin's Princess for Hector Diaz Jr. and Kathleen O'Connell. A bit of royalty down there at Tampa. She's off to an incredible start. 20 wins at 56 starts, or excuse me, 65 starts to start the season with 20 more times hitting the board. So 40 out of 65 times she's hit the board. This horse has won his la- her last two, excuse me. Broker Maiden in a claimer down at Gulfstream Park in September. Not the best competition, but she won it by five. I love to see that. Comes up to Tampa. Last out against winners for the first time in an optional claimer. Goes ahead and wins again by open lengths by two and a quarter. Everything about O'Connell's training number says that she'll be ready to go, except for her stakes number. It's really fascinating. So if you care about the stakes number, you're going to go with the one here, Mystic Lake, and you're going to walk away. And you're going to plug your nose and just deal with it. (laughs) And you're going to take Safi Joseph in Florida. But I do wonder... How is that transfer to the dirt going to go? The horse has been training on the tapita at Palmetto's. We'll see how that ends up going. But I'll lean on the five and the six here to kick off the late sequence. Race eight is an optional claimer. Just a quick pick here. I'm going to try the, the two, three, and four. With the two being the longest odds here, has been running an optional claimer company until a state-bred uh, race last out at Tampa was nowhere to be found, unfortunately. Can this horse bounce back from that performance in an optional claimer? I think it can. 
drop back out of that company, get back into company that it can handle. Second time running at Tampa, knows the surface now, has been training there. Can that horse jump up and be better? We're going to find out. But the three nightcap is in for the is in for the tag here, because this horse has eight wins and seventeen lifetime starts, three for six at Tampa. Sammy Camacho rides the Don, the King of riding at Tampa, thirty four for one thirty six so far this meeting, twenty five percent winners. He and Gerald Bennett hitting it twenty five percent themselves. I think this is your favorite. By the time they get to the post, and five to two would be super generous. I think we're looking at like nine to five. Flag woman is the four. Edgar Zaya is making the trip for this one. Jose D'Angelo trains here. Interested to see because this horse reeled off three straight at Gulfstream Park on the dirt, the synthetic, and then on the dirt. All of them in close races. The last two, the first one, though, in that claimer was by 13 and three quarters length, seven horse field there. Tries the Tapita again in October. Doesn't love it. At Gulfstream Park, they decide to give the horse a little bit of a breather. That's what this race is. Coming back off of the break at Tampa. We'll see. I do like that Edgar's available here. We'll play the two, three, and the four in our longer sequence uh, there in race eight tomorrow. Excuse me, Saturday, the 13th at Tampa Bay Downs. And now we get to the Pasco, which is the Derby Prep. Prep. <laughs> the fake Derby Prep, if you will. West Saratoga's in here, man. We're going seven furlongs. And he went a mile in the Iroquois one turn at Churchill Downs. So this is a similar race for him under Rafa Bejarano. Get Sammy Camacho here, which I love, for trainer Larry Demerit. Obviously a smaller uh, barn for Larry Demerit, but did win that great the Iroquois last year in one of the harder-to-watch Iroquois I've ever been to in September. Tried the Breeders' Fraternity at Keeneland in October uh, under Gerardo Corrales, who ended up winning, of course, uh, the Breeders' Cup sprint, uh, turf sprint under no balls uh, out at Santa Anita. Did not did not go the way that he wanted. Lost by 11 lengths, finished fifth out of eighth. Locked, ended up winning that one. Wine Stewart in second, generous tipper third. Can that horse regain a bit of its confidence going back to one turn? I'll be interested to see. The problem with a guy like Larry Demerit, who's obviously a decent trainer, it's not the question is that he's so limited in his stats, it's hard to just look at paper and know what to do with the Larry Demerit trainee. Now, to his credit, this is a horse that was training at the training track up here in the county over for me outside of Louisville. But he's had this horse at Tampa since the beginning of the year. So this horse is at least used to Florida, used to the track, etc. does have a workout there that was timed as well. We'll see how that goes. I think your favorites on Saturday, and I don't think that's close, is the Son of Bucaro, Moms by Ghost Zapper, is Bookham Dano, the three. And this is a New Jersey bred of all things. And I just think for trainer Derek Ryan that this is the best horse in this race. Lost out on the Nashville, last out in a listed stakes at Aqueduct over a mile. Was in the lead at seven furlongs. Ended up losing at eight. Before that, ran in the futurity at, Bel- at, um, at the Belmont meet at Aqueduct over six furlongs. Ends up winning that one by six and a half lengths under Jose Ortiz. They booked Jose Ortiz twice. Marine is down from Monmouth, obviously, for the Tampa Bay meeting. The horse only ran a 90-speed figure underneath him in a stakes in September. Can that horse regain what he's done? Derek Ryan's credit, he does have a stakes win. He hits well on dirt. 
He hits well on sprints. And three of his last 10 that have taken this kind of time off have come back to win. So I'm thinking about leaning really heavily and possibly singling here, even though the connections aren't the royalty that we would expect at Tampa Bay. Thinking about singling here with the three. And that's what I'll give out right now. So starting with the Pasco Stakes, if you wanted to play a little pick three, a little rolling pick three, look for the five and the six. We're going to try to beat the favorite there in race seven in the, in the Gasparilla. Then play the two, three, four in the middle leg in the optional claimer. And then I'm going to single the three in the last, but I do think Crazy Mason, the four, Michael Sanchez and Gregory Sacco. Horse is already in its career run at Monmouth, Saratoga, Delaware, and at Tampa. Ran in the inaugural last out and was really competitive behind Patriot Spirit. If the horse improves off of that, a six for a long race that was run in 110 and one, there's no telling. There's absolutely no telling. So we'll have to wait for him and see what kind of performance we get out of him. But if it just happens that he loves Tampa and he happens to get better from December 2nd, then we could be in for a Gregory Sacco upset in the four. Rathmore is interesting to me here, by the way. So Florida bled, uh, Florida bled, <laughs> Florida bred by Cupid, who's by Tappet, and was bred in Florida, obviously, like I mentioned. Ran third in that inaugural. Before that, though, Broke his maiden in the slop at Aqueduct under Javier Castellano. Comes down here, gets Gallardo, who's won 24% of his races so far in this meeting at Tampa. And you get Thomas Albertrani, who's obviously shipping in with this horse, running for the second time. Ran in that inaugural and is now running here in the Pasco for 100 and quarter. Interested to see what he does. I would lean on Crazy Mason more, the four, just because Crazy Mason was very clearly better than him last out. But if this is a horse that gets better and actually likes the dry conditions because I'm a little worried that wet number is a little misleading because he did break his maiden in the slop at Aqueduct. Can he get it done over the dry dirt? I'm going to guess that it's Crazy Mason who's ahead of him, but I'll lean on Bookham Dano here in the last leg of that little pick three that we're going to play uh, at Tampa Bay. But let's go out to Long Island. Let's go to Aqueduct for the Busanda. $100,000 here, Phillies that are three years old. We're going to go a mile and an eighth, which, by the way, is longer than the acorn. Never understood New York, but hey, here we are. Uh, Jin Jin is in this, the one horse for Brad Cox. But the favorite here is going to be the four to five morning line, Manny Franco-ridden shimmering allure for Kenny McPeak. The two of them essentially do not connect. But this has been a Kenny McPeak New York horse for the last two races. Ran in the Tempton and won over a mile at Aqueduct in November, came back, ran the two-turn Demoiselle in the mud. Ran second under Junior Alvarado, so we get a little bit of a change here. We're going to ride with Manny Franco here. A little interested, frankly, in the, in the rider change, but I think, in this case, Junior Alvarado simply riding a Gulfstream and not available for Saturday. But this is a horse that they tried in the Alcibiades at, at Keeneland. Look, Kenny McPeak's a little bit, I've said this before, he's a little bit of Doug O'Neill east of the Rockies, and just kind of why not us, doesn't care that his winning percentage is going to be at 13 or 14%. He's just going to try spots. And I'm fascinated with her at four to five. And, and why, <laughs> outside of that Demoiselle uh, appearance, that she would be that short of a number. I don't think it's an accident that Brad Cox has Jin Jin in here. But boy, it does feel too like he's kind of hiding her up here. Gets Trevor McCarthy to ride. I, I just, 
I don't know. This one doesn't feel great. Um, for me, this is a horse that was under Florent Giroux for the bigger races, the maiden win at Churchill Downs in September, comes back at the end of October in that rags to riches in the slop, was fine in the slop, but ran second behind West Sunset. And then, of course, comes back most recently in the Goldenrod, which is a it's a big girl race, gold, uh, grade two, uh, uh, Thanksgiving weekend. And just was nowhere to be found. Really wasn't. Fifth Ran fifth. But to be fair, I mean, the betters didn't think she was a big deal in that race either. Five to two just seems so short. I'm going to try to beat some of these prices, man. And I really like the Pletcher Train Class Act for Kendra Carmouche, who, by the way, is nine for 23 to start the meeting at Aqueduct at 39%, which, of course, is insane. Yeah, it's okay. If you're thinking, wow, that's insane. Yeah, it's insane. Don't worry. Um, Brooks main last out. Her maid, excuse me. Where? Aqueduct. Doing what? Going a mile and an eighth. Not a good enough speed figure to keep up with the horses that are in this one. But if she improves, which is what we expect this time of year from a Pletcher, daughter of Street Sense, a Fleet Alex on the mom's side, this is the kind of horse, $270,000 purchase, that should be coming into her own at this point. This is a Rapoli, so this is not an accidental placement. Um, and, and by the way, this is a big-time ownership race. You got Calumet, you got Godolphin, you got Rapoli. This is a this is a legitimate legitimate race with with serious fillies. Princess Mayfair is in here the five under Dylan Davis for for Stephen Shercop coming out of the races at Woodbine on the synthetic. Man, I just never know how those horses are going to like the deeper dirt uh, on Long Island, but we're going to find out. That's the beauty of this one. Only a five horse field here. The only horse I didn't mention was most of all under Jose Lascano for Bill Mott. Uh, last time out, didn't love the muddy conditions in the Demoiselle, but before that, Broker Maiden in the in the slop. So she went off essentially at eight to one in that Demoiselle and, and just didn't have it that day. Ran th- ran fourth, excuse me, by 13 lengths. I think a bunch of horses in that race, to be fair to the Phillies in there, just hated the conditions. I think she was one of those. So can she rebound? Can she get back to what she did at the distance before, um, you know, in a slightly lesser say at saratoga she ran on the turf at a mile and a 16th didn't like the turf they got her back on the dirt she breaks her maiden can she be a problem here it's bill mott why not daughter of quality road like i mentioned uh for good dolphin this is a homebred and so obviously they'll be watching very closely uh with her if you're making me pick i'll go price i'll go class act the four here and just trust that this is over the mile and an eighth here where she broke her maiden this is where uh, trainer Todd Pletcher wants her to be. And so we will lean on the six to one price, which I imagine with those connections and with only five horses in the field, by the time we get to the gate, we'll be talking nine to two or maybe even four to one. All right. That's all I got. Reminder tomorrow, I'll talk to Matthew DeSantis on my local show here. And so we will put that out on the podcast network as well. So you can get his thoughts on all of the happenings for all the three-year-olds there on Long Island and get you ready for the weekend, for everybody else affiliated with the show, for producer Zach, Mike Gandolfo, and everyone else that hangs out with us, Louis Rabot here. Have a great weekend here with the Horse Racing Happy Hour.